What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's happening, Dodger fans? Hope you're doing well out there to start this January 2022 off. It's Kevin Klein here. We're recording on January 13th, and we do have a little bit of baseball news to cover today. Jake Reiner, what's going on for you this week? What's up, Kevin? What's up, David? Um, We do have a little bit of news to discuss, albeit not that much. But I'm excited to see if we can get some sort of deal done with the CBA and the owners. I don't know about you guys, but I'd love to get something done so that we don't impact spring training. We don't impact the regular season. And also we can start to talk about some free agents again because I'm really itching to do that. But I'm really excited for this episode because of some of our uh, listener uh, suggestions that I think uh, were really creative this week. (laughs) Yeah, right on. David Rosenthal, what's new with you? Not much, Kevin. Uh, Very pessimistic about that meeting today between MLB and the Players Union. Absolutely no ground was gained whatsoever. Uh, I don't think these two sides know know how to negotiate. It's like they go into the room, one side sends a proposal, and the other side says no and walks out. Uh, A lot of people talk about Rob Manfred being terrible, which he is literally horrible. But the Players Union leadership is also terrible. Uh, It's Tony Clark is the president and their chief negotiator, uh, CBA guy is Bruce Meyer. And frankly, I think they both suck. I think they're terrible at their jobs. They're not doing anything for the players and they're not doing anything to get this closer whatsoever. So once again, Rob Manfred is is the, the, the chief culprit here. Granted, the owners are controlling him, but this players union side is terrible. I, 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 it blows my mind how they're they're unable to just get in the room, figure something out, and stop just 
bickering publicly and releasing statements and then the other side really it, it's a mess both sides are trash right now yeah so a few reporters broke what was discussed today and some of those things include that the players want to raise the competitive balance tax from 210 million to 245 million on the flip side the owner owners only want to raise it from 210 to 214 I don't know if $4 million really matters given inflation and stuff, but okay. And then another big thing that's going on is that the players union side of things, they want to raise the minimum minimum salary for players, which I totally get. And then something else that I kind of found interesting is that looks like both sides are kind of figuring out if there should be some type of draft lottery implemented for the bottom tier teams for college drafts and high school drafts and all that found that kind of interesting and then there's discussion of expanding the postseason obviously we knew this was coming i think the 2020 season was kind of opening pandora's box a 14 team mlb playoff format is in in the works i'm not sure how that would exactly work would the first round be a three game series and then you go to five and seven i don't know if i'm really a big fan of that And then it looks like, last but not least, both sides are okay with implementing the universal DH, another thing to be expected from that 2020 season. Fine. Whatever gets it done, honestly. I don't care. Uh, Expanded playoffs we knew was coming. I think that it actually would uh, make things a little more interesting in terms of uh, the teams that are kind of on the cusp, maybe you know, not knowing whether or not they're going to make the playoffs or not. It'll incentivize them to try and build their roster during the middle of the season. And you'll have players that are on teams that are definitely not in it be moved. I think that it gives more players, more opportunities to be more competitive uh, during the season. But like Kevin was saying, I think it does need to be worked out as to how they will do the, uh, you know, how many games they'll play, uh, whether it's a three game series or a five game series. Again, I've always said, that I would uh, enjoy having maybe a first round of a five, a five game series. But as it stands, I feel like if they don't expand playoffs, they should move it to all seven game series. That's, that's my personal opinion. I, I agree. I think I'm against expanded playoffs. I don't think more teams should get in the playoffs. I, I really don't. I like the way it's set up now. Uh, yes. It would incentivize teams to spend money. Yes. MLB would get more money from playoff. Uh, TV deals and all that stuff. But I think a a creative way to expand playoffs per se is to make the first round a seven game series uh, and make the wild card game a three game series. Uh, You get more games, same amount of teams. I I think that is the route. What about seeding? What about seeding? Should the Dodgers have had to play a best of three with the Cardinals? I think this, I think they should get reseeded like they do in the NFL, like they do in, I, uh, in I basketball. I with this one game playoff, or at least make it the worst two records because after what the Dodgers No, exactly, have, exactly. That's exactly no, how it should be. I, I just think something is wrong, yes. But I, I think if it was a three games wild card series, it would be okay. If you lose your division, you lose your division, regardless of how good the first place team is. The Dodgers were one game worse than the Giants, so they had to play in the wild card game. Now that fate wouldn't have been so bad if it was a three game series, because I think everybody, every Dodger fan knew the Dodgers were better than the Cardinals, but in a one game playoff, anything can happen in a three game series. You shit the bed one game. You got two more to recover. 
And that's more fair to the Dodgers. And that's in last it either, year's situation. It either then you got Matt. I like it. Then you got Max Scherzer sitting out game two and game instead of game six. There you go. There you go. I, I agree with you guys. I think it's either, either you reseed like you have in basketball where it's the top eight teams or top 10 teams or however, however it's done. Or like you were saying, make it a three game series so that if you do lose your division, you have a little bit more of a chance uh, and, and the Dodgers aren't, you know, biting their nails during a one game playoff with the Cardinals. And it's not just the Dodgers. I mean, put plug in any, any 106 win team, you know, obviously this is a Dodgers podcast, but we would be saying the same thing about any other team that was put into the Dodgers situation last year. 100%. I am on board with expanding postseason. I'm tired of seeing enough of these teams tank already. Uh, Jake already mentioned it. I want more incentives for the trade deadline to be even crazier. I want more teams gunning for it. I think ultimately that will expand baseball because when you have more teams in it, that should give the lesser tier teams. Like I guess I'll throw the Padres in there or the Mets or maybe the Orioles become relevant again, or the Rangers, the Mariners. Now we have more buzz talking around the nation as opposed to just bottlenecking it where it's constantly the same teams in the playoffs every year, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants every other year, et cetera. Okay, so the only expanded playoffs I would be okay with is a six-team playoff in each league. So the three division winners and the three wild cards. And the best record would play the worst wild card team. That I think is okay. Uh, anything more than that is where I draw the line, where it's just it's too much. I think I'm okay with seven. That way, you know, if you have the best record in your league, then it sounds like you get a buy. Although I don't know if that's an advantage or a disadvantage. There have been times where teams yep. with too much time off, they seem to lose their rhythm and then mm -hmm. they get exposed in the first round. So that's kind of going to be an interesting experiment. But I don't know if they're going to actually implement. I know they've talked about it in the past where the, the top team gets to choose who they want to face. Kind of adds a little bit of surprise in that and all that smash talking online. But who knows at this point. But ultimately, the point is the players, the owners aren't on the same page at all. It was said that the players were not impressed with the, what the owners brought to the table today. And that just continues the theme that I think this is going to be a longer lockout than what people are hoping for. And spring training is on the verge of being delayed. It's almost inevitable at this point, unless someone gets a fire lit under their ass and wants to actually work this thing out. Can we make this like a 10 year agreement or something? So we don't have to revisit yeah. this forever. Yeah. Like this sucks. It's terrible. Uh, I love spring training. I'm planning on going to spring training uh, I'm ready to go in March, uh, so I'm keeping it optimistic. But after today's meet, I mean, we still got you know a little bit more time before we actually have to worry about delays. But yeah, I could see it being delayed a couple weeks, maybe a month. So I think I've had a change of heart in the last few days uh, after discussing it with you guys and other people. Just bring the DH to the National League because. I am fully on board, as I've been saying for weeks now. Bring Freddie Freeman to the Dodgers. That way you get Max Muncy as your DH slash second baseman or third baseman or wherever you want to place him. Because once this lockout inevitably ends, which could be months from now, but regardless, get Freddie Freeman and Dodger Blue, and all of a sudden you got two power-hitting lefties in your lineup that you can play every given day. Also, that should be a really good incentive uh, for the play. The players should want this for a number of reasons – 
one of the big reasons is if you're a guy like Nelson Cruz, for example, who can't play the field, you open yourself up to all 30 teams instead of just half the league. So that's a huge incentive for uh, players to get offers from everybody, not just one league. And it's not only that, it's, it's literally opening up 15 jobs. Uh, because when you think about it, you know, National League teams are fielding a team of eight in the field, uh, hitters. And with a DH, maybe you can sign four outfielders instead of, you, you, know, you know, you can sign anybody of uh, multiples of any position because you have that DH. So you can shift guys around. It creates probably more than 15 jobs, frankly, uh, but just more uh, ability for these players to accrue stats and in turn accrue money over time. And I'll add this too. It's also a great strategy for, for teams to give guys rest. So you may have guys that are really, really good defensively, like a Mookie Betts or whatever, but you want to keep his bat in the lineup, get his, you know, take him off his feet, put him at the DH and you, and you can rest them. That's something that the Dodgers did very well in 2020. They had about 16 different players or whatever it was as the DH so that they could really rotate these guys in and out. And again, it was only a 60 game season, but you think about the 162 long haul, that's a really good strategy to give guys rest, but keep the bats in the lineup. Yep. And it makes going to the games a better experience too, because there's those Sundays where the guy you want to see, they give them an off day because they don't want him in the field. Now you can plug them in at DH and you get to see your Mookie Betts bat. Were there any other rumors or players things that you've read that you wanted to discuss off season wise that just was grinding your gears. I'm just wondering what if they don't have an agreement? Let's okay. Let's say they come to an agreement on March 15th and spring training will start March 31st. Those two weeks before spring training are going to be insane free agent wise. Uh, it's going to be like an NBA style free agency where it's like the clock start strikes midnight and then boom, boom goes the dynamite uh, dominoes start to fall. So I'm kind of looking forward to that, frankly, because once this deal is made, if it's, if they have to delay the spring training, they're going to set that spring training for like two weeks after that deal. Uh, so that period is going to be nuts. Right. Yeah. And I don't think the Dodgers are even close to being done this off season. So no, not at all. To, no. Just have to sit on our hands and wait yeah. locked and loaded, just waiting. So thanks to some of our listeners, they presented some topics that they wanted us to discuss on this episode. So we're going to start with one of our top listeners, Steve M at Dodge 16 underscore 12 on Twitter. He wants us to field a team of only Dodgers and you can only pick one player per position per decade. Example, if you pick Clayton Kershaw in 2014, you can't choose anyone else from that decade or in this case, a pitcher. So I'm going to start since I was the first to complete this. Are you just going to say your whole team? <laughs> I'm going to go position by position. Yeah. Okay. So Catcher for me, Mike Piazza mm -hmm. from the 1990s, Hall of Famer, hit a bunch of home runs every year, a little bit questioned on defense, but going with him to rep the 90s. First base. Do you have a specific year of Mike Piazza? It doesn't matter. 97. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's what I picked. First base. Me too. <laughs> from the 1970s, Steve Garvey. Yep. Yep. Was a six-time he was a 
six-time All-Star consecutively during that decade and was the 1974 MVP. So 74 Garvey, I guess, in this scenario. Second base, I'm going with Jackie Robinson. Yep. Hit 342, <laughs> was an MVP in 1949. I know he was a stud in the 50s too, but I'm going 1940s Jackie Robinson. This is where I think I might be different from you guys because I have a feeling we're all kind of similar. But third base, I'm going with Justin Turner, 2010s. Okay. It's going to cost you later on. I'll show you why, but carry on. I am thinking that this team is going to make the postseason no problem. I need one of the best, the all-time postseason hits, hits leader for the Dodgers. Justin Turner, high on base guy, a captain. It's a, it's a great pick, yeah. but it but it handcuffs you in a lot of ways. I yep. I don't think so. And I'll okay. Continue. Carry on. I'm gonna carry on. This was the one position where I actually struggled, and so I just kind of had to throw in a guy. But I'm going Bill Russell, my shortstop of the 1980s. Whoa. Yeah. So, but he was a good defender at least, and he's part of that core. No, I'm just shocked you didn't go with someone else. Yeah. Well, I was. I don't know who it would be. I, I gave Justin Turner. So I know that last <laughs> right field, the 2020s Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. pretty self-explanatory mm-hmm. center field, the 1950s Duke Snyder, seven time all-star once hit 43 home runs in 1956, arguably the best power hitter in Dodgers franchise history. So I went with the Duke and my last position player, I think this one's also off the wall. Manny Ramirez, 2008. The dude hit 396 in 08. You could not get him out. If this is a one-time team, I don't think there was a better hitter in the 2000s than Manny Ramirez in that 2008 Dodgers campaign. And then finally, my pitcher on the mound, Sandy Koufax, 1960s. Don't matter what year. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go second. My my list is is pretty similar to yours, Kevin. So uh, I'm going Piazza at catcher, uh, specifically 1997. He finished second in MVP voting, which I was shocked because he had an insane year. But Larry Walker uh, edged him out in a couple of different categories. So he Larry Walker won the MVP that year. Uh, my first baseman is Steve Garvey. And even though he won the MVP in 74, I, I felt his 77 season was better. Uh, and plus the Dodgers went to the World Series that year. So I'm going Steve Garvey, 1977. Mm-hmm. Uh, second baseman, Jackie Robinson. Um, I could have picked 1947 as rookie of the year, but his better season I felt was 1949. Um, third base. So this is the interesting one. This one I had a really, a really tough time because I didn't really like this guy's season. Uh, or this guy's decade in 1980, but I just felt that felt I needed to go with him. I'm going with the penguin Ron yep. say uh, specifically 1980 Ron say wasn't that great of a season, but he hit 28 home runs. So uh, that was a pretty solid year for him. Um, shortstop. Uh, I'm going with uh, 2016 Corey Seager mm. uh, rookie of the year. Uh, the most home runs he ever hit as the Dodger in his career and the most games he ever played. So I'm going uh, 2016 Corey Seager at short um, left field. And, you know, I know he didn't really play left field, but I'm, I'm, we're just doing three outfielders in my opinion. So um, I went with this guy for nostalgic sake, but also he just killed it this year uh, going with 2001's Sean green. 
Yep. Um, 49 home runs, uh, Dodgers record. Uh, he was an absolute beast that year. Um, in center field going Duke Snyder, uh, just had to go with the Duke, uh, best, you know, center fielder in Dodgers history. Um, going with specifically 1955. Uh, that was the first, uh, year the Dodgers won the world series. So, uh, 1955, uh, for Duke Snyder. And then of course, uh, right fielder, uh, Mookie Betts, 2020 Mookie Betts. Um, I do want to say this though. I struggled with this cause I really did want to have, uh, 1990s Eric Karros in there, but I just couldn't figure out a way to put him in there with, uh, with Steve Garvey and also Mike Piazza too. Yep. I have a very similar team, Jake, uh, catcher. catcher? Oh, sorry. My pitcher, uh, uh, Sandy Koufax, 1963. And I reason I picked that year, uh, also Dodgers world series, but he won the Cy Young and MVP that year. Very good. Okay. Uh, catcher. I also went with 1997, Mike Piazza, as Jake said, monster year. First base, I went with 1977, Steve Garvey, uh, all-star 297 batting average, uh, 30 something home runs, 33, 115 RBIs. Second base, I went with 1951, Jackie Robinson, uh, 19 home runs, 88 RBIs, 25 stolen bases, 957 OPS, all-star six in the MVP. Third base, this was my, I kind of had to get, like Jake said, someone in this decade. So I also went with Ron Say. I went with 1980 Ron Say. I believe Jake Mm -hmm. had the same. Yep. Shortstop, uh, surprised this guy didn't get taken off because I didn't really have anyone else in the 40s. But Pee Wee Reese, 1947 Pee Wee Reese. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, 284 batting average, 841 OPS. Led the league in walks, got on base a ton. Real glue guy for my squad here. New <laughs> glue guy. Uh, right field, I had 2020's Mookie Betts. Uh, center field, stunned. This what this guy wasn't picked. Uh, 2019, Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I struggled uh, with that too. His MVP year. Uh, you guys know what he did in that year. And left field, I also went with 2001 Sean Green. Uh, easy pick 49 home runs, 125 RBIs, 970 OPS. And for my pitcher, I went with 1966 Sandy Koufax. It was his final year and arguably his best season loaded squad. Absolutely loaded squad. In my opinion, by the way, I wanted, I I thought this was the case, but the reason I went with 1949, Jackie Robinson MVP that year. Yeah. Yep. And couldn't leave out the Duke in my opinion. Yeah, I, I I grappled with it, uh, but I ended my outfield is just so good. I, I I went with the the guys I needed to. So thank you, Steve, for that topic. I know that was a great question. I know you'll be yeah. listening, and I know you're gonna pick my team because I had Manny Wood. You just you can't beat Manny Wood. I love Sean Green, but what Manny Ramirez single handedly pretty much carried that Dodgers team. Put him on this squad, we're gonna have thirty runs a night. Uh, I needed the lefty power from the outfield with Bellinger and Sean Green. Pair him with Betts. Defense is off the chain too. Insane outfield. The thing, the the one, the one, uh, the one thing I didn't love was my 1980 Ron Say pick. Even Same. though I love Ron Say, and he was he was he was better in the 70s than he was in the 80s. Um, you know, I struggled with maybe Adrian Beltre, but. I thought someone, I thought you were going to say Beltre to me. If honest. I chose Beltre, I couldn't have picked green. 
So yeah. that was that was what I was thinking of. And then I also thought about Justin Turner. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I had I, to get I wanted Kershaw badly, but Turner was just my guy. I, I'm surprised I, you went with Bill Russell over I, I need a shortstop. What what decade was he? Eighties. Eighties, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah the 80s was a tough it was a tough decade. It's it's a tough decade for Dodgers hitters. But I, I needed someone in the forties and Pee Wee Reese is just the perfect guy to plug in there. Here's also the, the, the issue or not the issue, but like the, the Dodgers just tend to tend to have always had good pitching, like no matter what. So, you know, you had to pass up guys like Drysdale and Hershiser and Sutton um, and Kershaw even Newcomb. like, you know, yeah. Don Newcomb, like the, the but, I mean, no I challenge what, anybody to go look at Sandy Koufax's stats from no, 1963 no, no, it's like, yeah. to 66. And you just can't pick anyone in the history of baseball over that. Ever. Yeah. If you, if you picked anybody else other than Sandy Koufax, you don't know baseball. Yeah. Uh, but I agree, Jake. I, Ron say was my kind of punt pick. I needed someone for the eighties and I don't even particularly like Ron say at all e- anyway, but I need, I needed somebody from the eighties. I needed a third baseman. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't waste my 2000, 2010, 2020s pick on, on Turner or Beltre. So it worked out. Um, can I just mention some of the guys that I had on my list that just honorable mentions real quick? Um, 2000s, Gary Sheffield was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had Manny on there. Um, I never was going to choose him, but I had Raphael for call on there. Um, 90s, Raul Mondesi was sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a, that was an interesting one. Uh, for first base, I, I toyed with the idea of Adrian Gonzalez, but I never was going to pick him over uh, Garvey or Karos. Uh, I had Cody Ballinger and then shortstop. I had Hanley Ramirez and I almost went with Hanley. Um, but I looked at, I compared him to Corey Seager and I just felt that that Seager just was the better pick. Yeah. And if you were, if your pitcher was throwing a perfect game, Hanley would have blown it. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. Seager, Seager might've done it too. I won't go first on this one, but this one comes from KW4 at Renrock on Twitter. Who? is the best 275 or under player of all time. What an odd question, but really and cool at the same time. don't give me a pitcher. I, my guy's not a pitcher. My guy Obviously. is not a pitcher either um, because I thought the whole time we were doing hitters and I didn't read the full prompt, but I'm still glad with my pick. Um, I'll go first. So I looked at a list of Hall of Famers uh, with career batting averages of 275 and under, and I really feel that this guy um, just is the best overall uh, player on that list. I went with Mike Schmidt. And Mike Schmidt, uh, just insane career, over 548 home runs. Um, he had two, uh, 2,234 hits. He was a three-time MVP, obviously Hall of Famer, 12-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove. He won a World Series, and he was a six-time Silver Slugger Award winner. Um, just all-around uh, great player. And of all the guys that I had on my list, and I can go over the list later but after you guys go, but I looked at guys with obviously 275 and under, but also an OPS over 800, and he had a career OPS, uh, OPS of 908. So I went with Mike Schmidt. David, I'll let you go. I have someone different, so that's good. All right. Yeah. I thought, I thought this guy was going to get taken, but I went with someone who is 12th all time in the major league home run list 
and half of the list ahead of him are steroid users. I went with someone with over 2,000 hits, 1,500 RBIs, an OPS of 884, one MVP, 13-time All-Star, and a Hall of Famer, Harmon Killebrew. Yep. Uh, I thought he was, if you look at his stats, I mean, just an absolute power machine. Uh, had 140 RBIs one year in 1969. Uh, dominated for the Twins for a long period of time. Way before, like, the, you know, the steroid era and, and the home run era. Uh, I think this guy is an absolute monster. Uh, career batting average of 256, so kind of gets overlooked. And, I mean, 573 home runs, and he had 2,086 hits. That's like a fourth, over a fourth of his home runs. Over a fourth of his hits are home runs. That's insane. Harmon Killebrew actually was on my list of of guys that I had, and he actually had the lowest batting average of all of those guys at 256, which is insane. Um, I forgot to mention, though, that Mike Schmidt, uh, 267 batting average. All right, Kevin, what do you got? I'm actually amazed we all went with a different player. I went with Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, 14-time All-Star, batted 262 for his career, thus being eligible for this question, a five-time World Series champion, which is almost unheard of in Major League Baseball. In, the, in, in this closer of an era as opposed to the Babe Ruth times and all that. AL MVP in 1973 in the postseason was a 278 hitter with 18 home runs, 48 RBIs in only 77 games. When you think of clutch players, Reggie Jackson is at the top of that list and he hit 563 home runs, which made him an easy first ballot Hall of Famer at like 93%. All solid picks. Yeah. It was Jackson on your list as well. Oh, definitely. Um, let me just go down my list. So I, again, I noted players with a batting average of 275 and under and an OPS over 800. So uh, I have Ernie Banks uh, with a 274 batting average and an 830 OPS. Gil Hodges, newly elected Hall of Famer. 273 average with an 846 OPS. Eddie Matthews, 271, 885 OPS. Joe Morgan, 271, 819 OPS. Willie McCovey, 270, 889 OPS. Johnny Bench, 267, 817 OPS. My guy, Mike Schmidt, 267, 908 OPS. And then your guys, Reggie Jackson, 262, 846 OPS. And Harmon Killebrew, 256, 884 OPS. I will point out, though, that I, that I did do some comparisons between these guys. And Mike Schmidt had, a, had the best OPS out of all of those guys, also had a better on-base and slugging percentage than the majority of those guys on that list. So that's one of the other reasons I went for him. But honestly, all three guys, terrific picks. This next question comes from Jeff Snyder of the Locked On Dodgers podcast at Snydog from an old uh, survey question he asked online, but he wants us to answer it now. If you could restore Clayton Kershaw's 96-mile-per-hour fastball for six more years in a Dodgers uniform and he gets to keep his current arsenal of pitches, but there's a trade-off. 
you will die two years sooner in your life. Do you do it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, there is no, I mean, anyone can say this, but I, I love Clayton Kershaw as much as anybody. Uh, he is, will always be my all-time favorite Dodger, regardless of whoever comes next, whoever was in the past, period. Also, I enjoy living, and I enjoy being on this planet. Uh, I think Clayton Kershaw has had a phenomenal career. And frankly, let me phrase it this way. If you say yes, are you questioning his ability to adapt as a pitcher? Are you questioning his ability to rely on the slider more, to develop a changeup, to rely on the curveball, to change speeds? So while some people have said yes on the poll, I saw, I think it was over 50% of you. I think you you guys are counting Clayton Kershaw out. I, I, I think you're not giving enough credit to adapt as a pitcher. So that is how I will justify my answer. Here's something I just thought about. So if I decide that I'm going to give up two years of my life so that Clayton Kershaw can restore his 96-mile-per-hour fastball and Kershaw gets injured – in all of those seasons or most of them, which he is prone to do, I'm going to be pretty pissed. Yeah. Uh, honestly, um, as much as I love Clayton Kershaw, I agree with David. I think he's uh, one of the most adaptable pitchers uh, ever, and he can adapt to anything. And we've seen it. Um, the issue, I think, has never been the velocity on his fastball, but his health. So yeah. that's why I'm going no on this question. I'm also going no. Velocity is overrated, in my opinion. It's all about spin rate. And I looked it up. Clayton Kershaw, during his MVP season, was only throwing 93.5 miles per hour on average on his fastball. So I don't need all that velocity to begin with. He's still a very good pitcher currently. Like you guys said, it's just a matter of staying healthy. And I don't know when I'm going to die. So I want to enjoy those two extra years. I've already seen Clayton Kershaw pitch long enough. I'm honestly ready to move on to the next generation, if so be it. Okay, well, I'm not going that far. You know, I'm not ready for Clayton Kershaw to be done as a Dodger. Uh, I just think I, I agree. I, I think he doesn't necessarily need that extra velocity. Now, if he was throwing 96 with an 89 mile an hour slider and the curveball, then he he could be unstoppable. But uh, you are right; he doesn't need it. All right, that concludes that question. Of we're now moving to different gears here because Josh at Jay Belcher uh, on Twitter wants us to chat. We'll do it quickly about some other teams. And I'm not talking baseball, Lakers, Rams, Kings, Steve threw in the Clippers, and I'm going to add in another team afterwards. But we'll start with the Lakers. And I will kick this one off because I've been kind of wanting to rant about the Lakers for some time. I agree with you. Me too. There are a lot of good Lakers podcasts out there, so definitely support them. But here's my quick two, three minutes on the Lakers. Eighth seed right now, 21-21 and after a humiliating defeat by the Sacramento Kings. I've been saying it before the season even tipped off. Do not have high expectations for this team because they're not very good, if we're being quite frank. They're almost on the bad realm of things. LeBron James is fantastic. He's having an MVP season. His scoring is off the charts. It's the highest it's been in years. He's not the problem. Malik Monk's been a steal in the offseason. He's a reliable starter slash six man. Not going to throw him under the bus either. 
Carmelo Anthony has been surprisingly good. Great three-point shooter, especially at Crypto.com Arena, so I won't slander him either. And Austin Reeves has been a really nice rookie addition to this team. But the Russell Westbrook trade is one of the worst trades in Lakers franchise history. I saw it coming. They're paying $44 million a year for a guy that's shooting 29% from the three-point line, hasn't made a three-pointer this year, 65% free throw line. He's super turnover prone. He's averaging 18.7 points a game, which is his lowest since his second season. And the guy just has low court IQ. And the problem with Westbrook is not only the production on the court, but that $44 million salary that I just mentioned, that logs up this this log jams the cap space big time. So it forces the Lakers to sign all these vet minimum players. And then they gave the uh, mid-level exception to Kendrick Nunn, who we haven't seen this season. And defensively, this might be the worst Lakers team ever in terms of the defensive realm of things. Backcourt players, I'm pretty sure they rank dead last in all of the NBA because they cannot stop any guards to save their lives. And yes, it's cute when Russell Westbrook puts up a triple-double but honestly, it's almost meaningless at this point because the Lakers can't stop anyone. LeBron James, like I said, I think he should be league MVP. And then I haven't even mentioned Anthony Davis, who's basically missed the entire season because he's constantly hurt. That's almost been a disaster in itself. But I do have more optimism about Anthony Davis if he can return. It's just a matter of will he stop shooting threes from that low percentage and can he post up some more? Because right now, and then finally to close this out, DeAndre Jordan was a horrible pickup. He can't stay on the floor. He's too slow. Can't shoot for to save his life. Everyone wanted to scapegoat Marcus Gasol for being a bad player, but DeAndre Jordan's been a hundred times worse. And it looks like at the end of the day that the Wizards have fleeced the Lakers. Harrell hasn't been that good, but KCP is still a great backcourt player. I actually always admired his defense. And Kyle Kuzma is looking like an all-star right now. So... At the beginning of the season, I thought, and and I know Kevin, you were completely down on this team, and and rightfully so. They've been they've been very underwhelming. But I always said that if we could just see what we have with Westbrook, LeBron, and AD all on the floor at the same time, or at least you know on the same team and healthy, um, we can really kind of judge where this team is at. And we just haven't seen that yet. Um, you know, whether it's been LeBron has been out, AD's been out, um, but. That being said, this Westbrook needed to help LeBron out while AD's been out, and he's just not been doing that. Whether he scores a triple-double, he turns the ball over 20 times. When he's not turning the ball over, he goes 2 or 14 from the field and can't hit a layup to save his life. It has been an absolute disappointment with him on the floor. And about that Kings loss last night, that was just awful because now the schedule gets really hard, gets a lot tougher and the Lakers not, not able to win against these lowly teams that are not even going to make the playoffs is just very, very upsetting. The other thing that pissed me off about last night's game and what they've tried to do um, since AD has been out is Frank Vogel has gone to this small lineup with LeBron at the five. It may work in some instances, but the fact that they just stick with it, no matter what, and they refuse to give Dwight Howard more minutes, who's actually been a plus player on the floor when he's in there, is just despicable. They gave up 70 points in the paint to the Sacramento Kings last night, and they barely played Dwight Howard. But when Dwight was in the game, they actually played a lot better. 
And I wonder why, because you have a guy that can play in the middle at the five, can rebound the ball, can give you second chance points. He can't shoot the ball, but neither can Russ. So I don't really care about that kind of argument. Yes, it does stretch the floor when you have a smaller lineup, but when the team that you're playing has significantly bigger players, there's no way you're going to be able to play defense or rebound the basketball. So I don't understand why they're just sticking with the small lineup no matter what. And the fact that they're not playing Dwight Howard is a crime during this time that Anthony Davis is on the floor. And finally, I'll just say this about Anthony Davis. He wasn't good when he was playing this year. So he needs to figure it out. And he also needs to figure out how to stay on the floor because he's pissing me off. Yeah, I retired from Lakers takes. Uh, we had we had Chris Jeter McGee on here. I said Malik Monk was going to make himself a lot of money. That's true. And that is my last Laker take of the season. That's a good take to have. You guys seem very passionate about it. I'm sorry you're going through this difficult time, though. Yeah, it's okay. I I like I like I made it clear. I had low expectations and those expectations are being met right now. So and also the fact that the fact that Westbrook has an immovable contract is just (laughs) awful. Nobody (laughs) wants him. He is a, he is literally a virus. He goes, why would you take on that? Why would you take on that contract for this kind of production? (laughs) Led GM. That's why. Exactly. Rob, Rob Palenka is not the GM of that team, man. It's true. I'm just sick. I'm just sick of this, this like overturn of the roster year in and year out. Like the fact that they let Caruso and KCP go two of your best wing defenders. No wonder they can't stop anybody. They got rid of it. They got rid of their good defense. Yeah. Caruso was just a horrible decision to not bring him back, but awful. Okay. Next up the LA Rams. They are playing in their wild card game. This upcoming Monday at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Jake, you can start this one off. The Rams have been a frustrating team this year, even though that they even though they secured the NFC West title. Um, they're 12 and five. They went 12 and five, right? That's right. All right, 12 and five. They've been frustrating. Uh, Matthew Stafford has made you want to pull your hair out. He's also looked like an MVP candidate. So it, it'll be interesting to see what shows up during this wild card matchup with the Cardinals. I like the Rams' chances chances in this one, though, because I feel like uh, without DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the Cardinals are a little bit banged up. The Rams are the better team, and they are going into this one, you know, a little banged up themselves. But they have Jalen Ramsey. And keep in mind, the last time that the Rams beat the Cardinals, they did not have Jalen Ramsey. So that's an upgrade in and of itself. But yeah, I'm worried about Matthew Stafford in the playoffs because he's 0-3 in his career. But this is honestly the best team he's ever had uh, as a quarterback. So you got to take that into consideration. Um, The defense will take them as far as this team will go, I feel. It'll be up to the defense to keep it tight. Um, the last game of the season against the 49ers was a, was an embarrassment. They jumped out to a 17, nothing lead and then 17 points unanswered. They, t- they get it to overtime and just could not finish the job. Um, very disappointing. I felt like they had the 49ers on the ropes and they just couldn't shut the door on them. 
and they let them back in at the end of the first half by allowing them to kick that field goal. And then it was just all downhill from there, even though there were some great plays by Jalen Ramsey um, and a great touchdown uh, to Cooper cup. Uh, Tyler Higby looked good in that game, but overall it was just uh, just an embarrassment. Also for Sean McVay, not, not able to beat uh, Shanahan and the 49ers. That's got to eat at him. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just so frustrating of a loss to have. And also the fact that they could have been, they could have been the number two seed, right? If they won. Yeah. Yep. Just so frustrating the, to, to end up having to play the Cardinals and to really only, you know, a lot has to go right for the Rams to even get two home games during this, this playoff. So at least they have one, but uh, you know, it's just frustrating kind of to kind of back their way into this NFC West title. You want to add anything, David? Yeah. So the Rams have the talent to win the Super Bowl. There's no question about that. Uh, the problem is the defense. Uh, if Matthew Stafford isn't throwing interceptions, the offense is going to score points, period. Uh, you got McVay, you got Stafford, you got Cup, you got Odell, Higby, Jefferson. Akers is back. Michelle has been running the ball like a madman. O-line is healthy. Offense is fine. The defense is the problem. And it starts in the middle. Their linebackers have been awful. Uh, haven't seen Von Miller do much of anything since that trade. They gave up a second and third round pick to get him. It's time for Von Miller to do something. Otherwise that trade is going to be an unmitigated disaster. Uh, But for me, it all goes back to last year's draft and they took (laughs) Kevin. I, I, I bother Kevin and Jake with this all the time. It is not irrelevant. The Rams drafted a five foot one 90 pound receiver named Tutu Atwell in the second round. They didn't need him. They don't need him ever. First of all, he's never going to be healthy because he's 80 pounds and gets hurt. And because he doesn't belong in the NFL. Second of all, they passed up talented linebacker after talented linebacker, pass rusher, safety, anything. Uh, But, but the guy that, that went one pick after Atwell was Nick Bolton on the chiefs. Uh, And if you follow football, Last week, you saw he had a scoop and score for the Chiefs. He's, he's had over 100 tackles this year. That is the guy the Rams defense needs. And instead, we got this bum, Tutu Atwell, taking up space on the IR. Uh, so if the if the Rams can't, can't do it this year, they got no one to blame but themselves, frankly. That being said, I think they can easily beat the Cardinals. I'm not buying into the Packers fully. Uh, I think Rodgers has been on a completely another level. Uh, but if they can somehow, uh, you know, contain Devonte adams with ramsey which they can uh they can definitely beat the packers the packers are vulnerable uh, i felt not, like there's not, there's not one clear say, but, team in in, yeah. in the nfc it's it's the packers are the one seed but there's anybody can beat the packers in my opinion minus the eagles uh and probably the uh cowboys in my opinion the one game that the rams had against the packers i felt that the rams beat themselves more than the packers beat the rams at lambeau so i agree with you on that Yep. I think the we're all Rams fans. Ugh, I said that we're all Rams fans here, but I'm also haven't been too worried about this Arizona Cardinals matchup. I think the Cardinals have been really struggling in the second half, and especially their last four games, they cannot sit, they cannot stop the run to save their lives. So I think that's a great opportunity for Sony Michelle and Cam Akers to get some yards, whether it's scrimmage or just straight up run. So I think the running game will be huge for the Rams in this upcoming matchup. And I look at Matthew Stafford and very talented, but the turnovers are absolutely a concern. I think he had 14 interceptions this season, which was kind of high in my opinion, especially when you look at Aaron Rodgers. He had four Rogers. pick sixes. 
Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers has had like 12 interceptions over the last four seasons. It was something crazy like that. But again, this Cardinals team, no Hopkins. That's a huge blow. They're, they're banged up. And yes, the Rams have some injuries themselves, but for me, the key is not going to be the defense. To me, the key is the Rams O-line. If they can give Stafford as much time to throw the ball and open up the running game for our running backs, like I just mentioned, the Rams are going to score points. No problem. Brian Allen has been phenomenal as the Rams center this season. Yeah, Michigan and State. Then and Whitworth is, despite being 40 or whatever, he is still great. So those two guys do their job. Not too worried. I am concerned about going into Lambeau. I think we'll get crushed by the Packers. But that's why I'm rooting for the 49ers to beat the Cowboys because unlike Major League Baseball, there is reseeding in the NFL. So I think that will pay huge. If the Rams can get the Packers the third game into the postseason, then I'll be more uh, I'll be more optimistic. But facing the Packers off the bye, that does not have me feeling too good. All right, before you before you discuss your mystery team, Kevin, I just want to give out my picks, my NFL picks for the weekend. I'm taking Cincinnati minus five and a half. Wait, uh, over you the say that because the mystery team is also an NFL team. Okay, then go ahead. All right, so the next up was the LA Kings. I don't think we watch hockey, so unfortunately yeah. we're going to have to skip them. Go Kings, though. Then someone wanted to mention the Clippers. I can cover that real quick because I've watched them from time to time. To keep this short and sweet, Clippers are not a team to have high hopes for. It's kind of a, throw in, a throwaway season. They paid Kawhi Leonard all that money. Well, he has a torn ACL. He's probably missing this entire season. Paul George is hurt. He can't carry a team on his own. I don't understand why they traded for Eric Bledsoe. He is dead weight. He is basically uh, another Russell Westbrook, but obviously less caliber. So sorry, Steve. I know you asked about it, but you can enjoy watching the Clippers this season, but they're not even close to winning an NBA title for this season. It's clearly the Warriors, the Suns, and to an extent, the Grizzlies, who have been red hot in the, the Western Jazz Conference. Too. Yeah, the Jazz Okay, so the mystery team was actually the Las Vegas Raiders because I know that there are a lot of Raiders fans interested still, whether they live in L.A. or some part of SoCal. So I just wanted to quickly state that what an impressive win for the Raiders. I think they've had quite an amazing season despite all the adversity that they've faced. I don't have to go into all the off-the-field issues, but regardless, I actually had expected them to beat the Chargers. I just liked where the Raiders momentum was heading and I did not like where the Chargers opposite was heading. It's the Chargers. They always find a way to lose these big games, but I'll let David go in a second. I just want to quickly say, I think this is where the Raiders season comes to an end. I think that the Bengals are going to finally win their first playoff game. I think ever or not ever, but in, uh, a, in a long time, like 20 years. I think years. they've lost six or seven wild card games in a row. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Minnesota Twins of the NFL. Yeah, Joe yeah. Burrow, big on him. I think he's the next superstar of the NFL. And the Raiders, let's be honest, they cannot really stop anyone. They're pretty poor defensively. Derek Carr, Dodgers fan, can't root against Derek Carr, but I just have been very high on Burrow. So your boy Staley screwed the Chargers out of that game. Oh. I got the Bengals winning by 10 points. All right, so if you gamble, I'm going to give you my picks so you can tail me or fade me, whatever you think of my intellect. Uh, Cincinnati, I'm taking to, to cover, minus five and a half points. Buffalo, I think, destroys New England. I think they'll keep really? it a game for the first half, uh, and then that's just too much offense. Uh, 
Dangerous to fade Bill Belichick, though. Buffalo minus four. Uh, Tampa Bay Eagles spread is eight and a half. I'm taking Philly plus eight and a half. I think Tampa Bay is going to win by a touchdown, but I think Philly covers. San Francisco plus three. I think they might outright win that game, so I'm going to take them with the points. Definitely could. Uh, Kansas City, Pittsburgh spreads 12 and a half. I think Kansas City could win by 55, so I'm taking Kansas City minus 12 and a half. And Rams Cardinals spread is minus four in favor of the Rams. I'm taking the Rams minus four. That's it. That's what I got. Fade me or tail me. You know, the one the one pick that I think, um, like you were saying, it, it's it's tough to go against Belichick. Yeah, and, it is. You know, but you have a lot of faith in Josh Allen, apparently. I do. I, I like the Bills. I like that organization. That defense is unreal. The secondary is amazing. Uh, I like him. I like him to cover. I, I just don't. I just don't think New England's offense can get much going in that game. Yeah, Mac Jones is just kind of a game manager, not turn the ball over kind of guy, and Josh Allen can light it up. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't. I agree with all your picks, so I'm not going to dispute anything. Mac Jones is a rookie. Uh, Josh Allen is. I don't know why some people really doubt Josh Allen. He's probably a top five quarterback in the NFL. So. Oh no doubt. I think he'll gunsling it, no problem. But yeah, credit to the Raiders. I, I agree. Uh, they they overcame a hell of a lot with that coaching change and the turmoil with their players not taking Ubers and killing people and all that stuff. So, uh, credit to their coach Rich Basaccia, uh, and their dream of getting Jim Harbaugh is going to come to an end because Michigan just poached a twelve-year assistant from Notre Dame, and you don't do that if you don't know who the head coach is. So, Jim Harbaugh is going to stay home, folks. I'm going to remember that because now we can put that in the award show if you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, not a lot, not a lot going on, but we did our best to cover close to an hour's worth of content. I feel like can't talk free agency. Can't really talk rumors. If there's anything else that I didn't discuss, we can use that in your final thoughts or out of left field right now. Oh yeah. Jake, I know there was something else you wanted to bring up. So if you know what I'm talking about, go for it. Oh, I just thought that we should just talk very briefly about the uh, apocalypse draft results. Um, David, clear cut winner, I think at 60, 60% or something like that. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty, um, I'm actually most upset at the poor turnout, voter turnout. Yeah. I think we only had about 44 something votes. Um that sucks, Incline listeners. Um, well, to be ID. fair, to be fair, it was under a tweet, and polls that are under a tweet are kind of get lost in the shuffle. Um, I, I can, as the winner, I can honestly say I, I didn't engage in voter suppression tactics. Um, it's just a, a clear cut winner, winning squad. We didn't even accuse you of that. So why are you even because that up? I, I just wanted to get it out there. Uh, you know, sometimes people can throw accusations. Uh, I just wanted to get ahead of it. I wanted <laughs> preemptive strike. I wanted to set the narrative myself. Uh, it didn't matter if there was a thousand votes in that poll. My team would have taken home first place. Period. End of story. I'm actually shocked at how, and and I mean this in the nicest way, Kevin. I'm shocked at how well you did, um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm and I'm and I'm shocked at how poor I did. Um, I felt like I would. I felt like it was going to be David. I felt like David was going to win. Um, but I, I felt like I would have a little bit better of a showing. I feel like, I think I got 25% of the vote. 
And I think uh, Kevin got 19% of the vote. Yeah, that's too close. That That is too. I mean, you can't have Oprah and Gordon Ramsay and expect to do more than 7%. But, but, uh, but Kevin did better than, than I thought he would do. So congrats to him or I, you know, maybe he, maybe he did some voter suppression. Yeah, I was going to say maybe some voter fraud. I allegations two over people there. comment that they really liked my team. I don't get yeah. how someone I, I argued with one guy on Twitter who like was, I went back and forth with this guy and he's telling me about <laughs> Oprah and, and Gordon Ramsay. And it's just like, what are you talking about, bro? I'll send Jason Bourne over there to fucking take out your whole squad and then take your house and take your helicopter and do all of that shit. I just need one guy, Jason Bourne. Yup. John wick. Yup. Maximus. Sure. Any of those guys, Good night, Oprah and Gordon Ramsay and Indiana Jones. <laughs> Jason just, Bourne's not that cool, in my opinion. He wouldn't even be in the top ten of my. What are you talking people. about, dude? <laughs> Ethan Hunt is ten times cooler. I don't even know who that is. Mission Impossible. A Mission Impossible. Oh, okay. Tom Cruise. No. Also, no. Jason or Bourne. Maverick from Top Gun. Ethan Hunt. Cool. I'm surprised. I, I I'm surprised I didn't think of that actually. I, I feel um, like you need to go watch a Jason Bourne movie again if you're saying that. I'm just happy. I, I was I was fully expecting uh, Kevin to pick uh, Oprah for his left fielder in the draft we did earlier. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said last week, baseball or stuff. the manager, <laughs> baseball. I'm going to crush it as always. So, just like when I won the fantasy Dodgers draft, I, I know what I'm doing. Ugh, we all. I don't think anybody won that. I think we all lost it. Yeah, we all lost it to a certain extent. Like those teams were just ugly. Yeah. Problem was we thought there was too much talent and then half these guys just didn't amount to anything. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and Bauer Bowered himself. So I got screwed there. And every minor leaguer slash like pickup was just, Oh yeah. I don't even remember who my guy, I tried to put that out of my memory. I don't know if we can do a poll for this, for our all decade teams, because they're pretty similar, but we can try yeah, no polls, but if you're listening, feel free to comment on social media who, whose team you liked or list your own team. Yeah, go for that as well. That was a great segment. Um, yeah, so any other final thoughts before I close this one out? Well, I think we're, I think I'm good. I'm ready for better negotiation from both sides, uh, is my main takeaway. They need to just get in a room, lock the door, give them provisions, don't come out till you have a deal. I'm going to close this show out with a random take and that's uh, here we go. (laughs) Who, which Dodger should get the next big contract immediately. That's under, that's under this staff right now. Think about it clear. Are you going to get, is this a question? Yeah, it's a question. Why don't you give your answer first? I mean, I have my answer. Yeah. So obviously Trey Turner is probably next due up gonna skip him it's got to be cody bellinger for me at this point i'm keeping it loyal he's a he's a farm guy obviously 20 he's a free agent in 2020 after the 2023 season i want to say so cody bellinger is my guy i'm i'm paying walker bueller and i realize he is not a free agent until after 2024 i believe but i don't want him to get to free agency i'm going to him i'm trying to get an extension done with walker bueller beat the market uh, you don't have to worry about Scott Boris, at least yet. Uh, so I would get to Walker Bueller's camp, 
put a deal on the table that both sides can agree to. And that's one less thing you got to worry about. Then you can figure out these immediate guys. I'm also going to go with Cody Bellinger, but it's a, it's, it's with a catch. I want to see what happens this, this next season. And if, if it's Cody Bellinger 20, you know, doesn't need to be MVP Cody Bellinger, but somewhere close to that, that we can see some consistency there um, in a full season where he's not injured. Um, then, then, then I will, then I will give him the next big contract, but I need to see, I need to see at least what we're expecting in 2022. Yeah. He's an interesting candidate because he's had two exceptional seasons and he's had three pretty pedestrian seasons. So I don't know, but I'm hoping that that dad strength comes to prominence this upcoming season. Yeah. We're, I'm expecting big things from him this year. Yep. You guys know I am too. And if they sign Freeman, that pretty much assures that Bellinger is an outfielder. So as he should be. Yeah. All right, everyone. I think that's it for this week. I am going to Jamaica, which I know you guys didn't know. So dropping a bomb right there. I'm going to be out of town (laughs) next week. So maybe I'll be recording live with you guys from from the beaches. Yep. From the beaches. Once again, uh, we got a, we got a few guests lined up in the near future. So hoping that they can uh, come on soon. So that you can hear exclusive interviews from the Incline Dodgers with some surprise guests. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, help us out by giving us a five-star rating, wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform, the Incline Dodgers. Follow us on Twitter at the Incline pod and interact with us and talk shit and piss David off. There you go. And that is how I'm going to say goodbye to everyone. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And go Dodgers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.